0: Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast with the Switch to Manual guys. I'm Antonio, and I'm Tom. Hi, Tom. You know this is our twenty fifth episode. Wow, well, man, that's awesome. Did you buy me a gift? <laughs>
1: <laughs> In the mail.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't I get? Don't we? Aren't we supposed to exchange gifts on our twenty fifth? Uh, I was that twenty fifth anniversary. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it's not much. It's just a $2,000 gift certificate to B&H,
0: <laughs> but you know, I, I hope you appreciate it. <laughs> With $2,000 at b and I could probably just buy one thing.
1: <laughs> I know. Yeah. Isn't that sad?
0: <laughs> I know. I know. You know, there was a time when, when I bought my first camera, it was a Nikon FM2. It was a manual, you know, just a regular film camera. And I bought it at a place called Willoughby's. So I'm, I'm dating myself or those people in the audience, some of you might remember this place, but it's a place in uh, the west side in the city in New York City, in Willoughby's, and I think I bought it for like two hundred and fifty dollars. Huh. And that was a lot of. I was thinking that's a lot of money for a camera, you know. And and now the entry point for a DSLR, like you know, not a really let's say a medium priced camera, like a medium, you know, semi-pro camera. I mean, you're talking like twelve hundred to fifteen hundred dollars just for the body these days.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. I mean, actually, I haven't done it myself, honestly, but I mean, I encourage people to look for used bodies because, you know, people like us are always trying to upgrade <laughs> when you have a body that you're perfectly fine that you're getting rid of.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's just, I just thought about that. That was a long time ago. Equipment was very expensive, and, yeah, $2,000 gift certificate to B&H would not get me that far. So, But I appreciate it. I hope I'll be checking my mailbox, Tom. Okay. Great. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, man. It was the best I could do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So this episode, let's talk about portfolio critiques, I think. Yes. Yeah. 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 And maybe I'll start off with other episodes I had talked about. And I think the episode previous with Gene Mealy talked about how we met and that I was a photo editor at a stock photo agency called the image bank. And my whole job in some sense, was to critique photographers' images on a daily basis. And mainly it was because the way we had to sell the pictures, we were a stock agency, so we had to sell the pictures, and they were transparencies, not digital files. We were using film. And we would have to look through all the pictures and choose which pictures we thought, as editors, which pictures we thought would be sellable, I should say, in the different franchise offices that we had around the world. So inevitably we'd keep a bunch of pictures and inevitably we would reject a bunch of pictures and pictures would come in in big batches. And so we would edit thousands of pictures and sometimes we'd get, you know, we'd have to reject, we typically reject maybe 15 to 20% on average of the submission would come in. And we'd have to write a letter to the photographer saying, you know, this is sort of the general reasons why we had to reject your pictures. And in the context of the stock agency, it was, We would look at the pictures and say, these we don't think would be marketable. It wasn't necessarily bad pictures. It's just these images would, you know, this one would not fit this market. Or there was, you know, subject matter was not quite saleable in our opinions. And and it was always a tough thing to deal with photographers and tell them they always thought their pictures were bad. And they would come back and they would say, what's the matter with these shots? And we'd have to sort of go over them one by one sometimes. It was kind of a difficult process to do. So... You know, fast forwarding to today, there's, there's not a lot of that going on where people are getting their photos critiqued by other people, at least, you know, maybe in the stock business or not, they're just getting rejected. But there is an industry of people who review portfolios for a living. And last week, Gene was talking about how he does that for b just prior to the photo expo in New York City.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's an important thing to do. And I think for our purposes... You know, we're going to want to focus on why it's a valuable thing and how it can help people develop their skills and just expand their photographic ability. And um, I mean, one of the main values, I think, is, is having a fresh set of eyes looking at your work. You know, we're all used to seeing our own images. And after a while, we stop noticing certain things. But so maybe that's a good place to jump in Tony if you have thoughts on like you know the value of like say you as a portfolio reviewer looking at somebody's work with a fresh set of eyes you know like what kinds of things would you look for and maybe point out and how might that help somebody get better
0: Well one of the first things I tend to look at because it's there is often the technical part Uh-huh uh-huh The technical is and again, that can be up for debate because not every picture looks, not every picture is a good picture just because it's out of focus or it's in focus. Or, you know, it's all relative to to what's being photographed. But the technical is kind of the first thing you see. You know, is it overexposed? Sure. Is is it underexposed? Can you see detail in where the photographer is trying to show you detail? Uh-huh. Uh, is is there no subject matter? Is something? What are we looking at? There's a. I mean, I want to say subject matter is a. I mean, in some ways, subject matter is a technical thing. Like, what is what are you taking a picture of, and that sort of uh-huh. jumps out. You know, when you look at a shot, right away, is there something to focus on? And so often, it's the technical that first jumps out, and then after, once you get past the technical, then it's starting to look at okay, what was the, what was the photographer trying to get at? What are they? What's the story that they're trying to tell with the picture? Uh-huh. Um and and what i mean story it's not a, you know, like a picture of a flower is not necessarily telling you a story but it is you know it's, it's not, it is a shot that is you know trying to transmit something that the photographer wanted the audience to see
1: right right might might be you know a flower and in the distance there's a couple or a solitary figure and so it's evocative of various kinds of things yeah but let me let me go back to the, the technical piece and just say I think in this day and age, it's so easy because we can fix so many things in post-production that it's easy to become lazy and, and or not to even think about certain things and to just say, oh yeah, I know that after I go out and take 300 pictures when I get back, I'm going to brighten them all up um, or, or some technical post-production fix and as an outside observer, I think part of what you're getting at here is that, you know, you could look at a bunch of images and and see that if this photographer just made this adjustment then all of these 300 images would be stronger in such and such a way and then then the post production piece would become a little bit more just kind of polishing up and fine tuning so I think part of what you have to offer as uh, a portfolio reviewer, say, who understands the technical aspects of, of shooting, you can say, well, you know, I, this person probably could change their ISO or, or whatever the, the technical adjustment is and, and start to, to get better results. And again, it's, you're, you're not necessarily saying, here's the kind of image you want to get. You're looking at the kinds of image that the, the photographer is trying to get and then you're saying, you know, I think I could help you zero in on that sweet spot.
0: Yeah. What is what is the sweet spot? <laughs> I'm call that the episode name. Yeah, the it's, sweet that, spot. it's that elusive,
1: you know, perfect image, which of course doesn't exist. And I love the fact that you're always reminding us that it's not necessarily about technical perfection. And sometimes the, the greatest images, our favorite images are ones that may be technically flawed in and, and, and one way or another, but somehow all together it, it works. I, I have this shot that I love of this woman that was covered in paint in the East Village at the, uh, you know, they have that beat celebration mm-hmm. of, of Allen Ginsberg once a year. Yeah, um,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. how yeah. And uh, and there's this woman covered in paint. I've probably talked about this picture before because I love it and it's hanging on my wall, but... Every time I look at it, I, I realize that I must have been on autofocus or I ended up focusing on the dog. But this this woman is covered in paint, and there's and she's holding her or kneeling beside this big, huge, beautiful dog. And the dog is a little bit in the foreground. And the dog is pretty crisp, but she's just slightly out of focus. And I I've thought to myself a thousand times if if I were to take that again. I, I just can, like, imagine turning the lens and <laughs> bringing her into crisp focus. But, you know, I got what I got, and it's not technically perfect, and I wish I had done it a little bit differently, but it still kind of works, and it's one of my favorite shots.
0: Right. You know, just to clarify, when we do the portfolio reviews, we're, we're not always looking for technical perfection. Yeah. It's not – the world is not perfect, you know. <laughs> we look We look around and, you know – Bark is falling off of trees and cars have dents in it and nothing is perfect. And it would not be a very interesting world if if we just relied on looking at perfection. So, you know, yeah, that, tr- yeah, that translates to photography.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's not even about like looking for the imperfections or the flaws so much as it's more about looking for patterns, looking, uh, again, bringing the fresh set of eyes and saying, huh you know a whole bunch of these images are sort of overexposed and maybe you like that and maybe that's what you're going for and i mean i i tend to do that a lot and so you know far be it for me to throw stones in that direction but i think it's also possible just to say wow do i do i really want this much light on on what i'm doing and in this given situation might i want to make an adjustment here so that it's not quite so blown out. And, and it's really easy to get used to, you know, we get in patterns, we do the same things over and over and, and then we get used to our images. And mm-hmm. I think that's another reason why it's good to, to be looking at other people's work because that's, it's inspiring. And you also see, wow, you know, that this just has a different feel and, and I like this or I don't like this and, and, um, you know, I'm going to try to learn from what this photographer is doing, and and that's I think really part of what the whole portfolio review process is. It's like allowing someone to come into your creative space and engage in a constructive dialogue with you. And and like anything, I mean, you you go to a writers group and people share their writing, and then people talk about it afterwards. There's that that cringe factor of oh are people going to like this or not like it and am i going to be brutalized after sharing this thing that's so <laughs> vulnerable and and you know fragile and and of course i mean i know our philosophy in helping other photographers is about celebrating the good exciting creative things that are happening and if anything liberating people to be more creative to say hey you know this this is something i've noticed and I think it's important to point out the difference between, like, you know, we're, we're always commenting on each other's images on on Facebook. And, I mean, that's a perfect example. And we were talking about this earlier, Tony. I mean, even, like, if you put an image up and I just, it's on, say it's on Facebook and I click like, it's like, okay, well, you know, I saw it and I, I liked it. But what did I like about it? You know, what what spoke to me about the image? So if portfolio review is partially, I think, about going that extra step and saying, Wow, I I think I see what you're doing here. And I I really like it. And this is what I see. And I, I know the most meaningful feedback I've gotten over over the years is just when I I can tell that somebody says something to me about an image that really resonates with what I was thinking when I took it, you know, what my work really is all about. So that's part of what I think the process can do is, is
0: help us see more deeply into our own creative process. Mm-hmm. The other thing I was going to, I'm going to say is that a portfolio review, a portfolio reviewer is going to also sometimes take the 10,000 foot view of your work, you know, the whole looking at the whole body of work together and seeing how the pieces fit together. And, you know, it's not, you can look at the individual pictures and say, okay, well, we have these issues with it. Uh, or what are you trying to say with this picture? But you can also have that, you know, f- looking down from, you know, the God's eye point of view of like, what's the photographer trying to do? And it's a, it's great to have a relationship with somebody who can give you that, a photo editor or a portfolio reviewer, someone who can see your work from that distance, be, a, you know, be apart from it. And, you know, they can be a little harsh sometimes with their reviews and the the, the whole point of the portfolio view is not to belittle you or to you know say bad things about your pictures you might you might hear them that way part of what I think we need to talk about with portfolio views is not only you know is how to listen to what's being said and my my first experience with a portfolio review reviewer was in college and I think it was my I've been my second year and the instructor said because it was a it was a critique class and he said I'm basically gonna you know Rip you a new one with your pictures. <laughs> uh. He let us know ahead of time. Uh-huh. And, you know, what is I, 19, 20 years old. And so, you know, I've been photographing for a while and never really came across someone at that point who was basically going to say, I'm going to tear your pictures apart. And he wasn't doing it because he wanted to be mean uh-huh. or anything. He was saying that you need to look at you need to have someone look at your pictures in this way and you need to be able to put on a little bit of a shield so that you can hear what someone's saying because you're going to take it personally no matter what. And you need to – actually, you need to, to take it not only personally. You need to be able to hear this stuff. You need to let it roll off. You got to filter through the the emotions that are going to come from the twi- – you talk about the cringe factor and the twitching that you get when someone says, I don't think this picture works and what's going on here. You get past that so that you can get to the filter of, okay, what's, what is this critique trying to tell me? Yeah, And and the critique is all in the purpose of learning and getting better and, you know, showing your best work. So I can't remember the picture, but I remember it had birds in the picture that I put up on the wall one time. And all I got reamed was for these little birds. It's like, what are these little birds? And the memory I have is like of this belittling about my little birds. But I've kept that with me as a as sort of a reminder that i can get past that someone says something to my pictures i'm going to cringe i'm going to twitch i might not like it but once i get past that i need to sort of listen to what someone else is saying because frankly it's their experience when they're looking at my picture and everybody's experience is valid so it's
1: it's true it's true i think it's it relates to the the creative process in general and It might be important to point out that I I think there's a time in which you you may not really want to seek out that kind of review, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, because like you might be in the really early stages of just playing and experimenting and being creative and seeing what you you know what it is that you like to do and doing it, and but there comes that time when as you accumulate a body of work and you start to you know look at it yourself, find patterns and try to figure out what you're doing, where you're going, then there's sort of a time where it makes sense. And, and I, I think there's well, just, probably, I'm going to pause
0: you for a second because I'm yep. going to take the contrary view to that, but I'll let you get, continue just. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, like I remember in the beginning when I was shooting, um, I, I did not seek out a lot of feedback and I, I didn't look at the work of other photographers either because I sensed something powerful was happening for me and I didn't want to be influenced by anyone. And then and then after a while I was like, okay, no, I, I want to look what other people are doing. And and I became more comfortable engaging in that kind of dialogue where people were telling me what they thought of my work. And um, but I don't know. I I, I kind of stand by the idea that in the in the very beginning of that creative process, you know, you don't
0: pull the little plant up and look at the roots, you know, you let you let that get started. I, I wouldn't disagree with that, getting the roots started. But uh-huh. the part that I'm, I would say go for the hard critique right away. Well, Main, could save
1: you a lot of wasted images.
0: <laughs> well, you know, that's part of it. That's part of it. You could spend all this time in a vacuum creating these, this body of work that you want to work, you know, that you are interested in. And that's a great thing to do. And you present these 40 pictures to somebody and say, okay, so what do you think of? This? And they say, I don't know what you're doing, you know? And you, you've, expend all that emotional energy and physical energy creating that work and you you might approach someone who's a portfolio reviewer and they'll say something like this and they'll they'll know what you're doing and you will you'll you've invested that much time and energy in it and it's it's a sure it's a possible sure way of just going into like a depression spiral and Mm -hmm. so rather than getting Right away, you've got this idea for a project and you start working on it and you start taking pictures, and you go right away to a, to get a critique about it and and you're in someone's saying, "I don't know what you're doing here," and basically putting the stops on it and forcing you to go back and reevaluate what it is you're trying to say with the pictures. So yes, it's not for it's not everybody's cup of tea to get you know a really tough portfolio right at the beginning. And I think it also could be very helpful to to have that done. But I but I understand that I don't want, you know, I don't want to take the I want to pull the plant out either. I want it to grow and I don't want someone to run away from photography saying, I can't do this.
1: Yeah, yeah. You well know, that's the there's... that's
0: the balance that you have to that you have to find.
1: Yeah. I think the the onus is on the the reviewer too, really. I mean if somebody's just starting out then you have to take that into consideration and say, you know, all right, this person's a the beginning of their creative journey, what kind of feedback can I give that's helpful? Um, whereas, you know, if somebody comes in and, and this is their 10th documentary project and they're getting ready for a show and they're, they have a thousand images and they're trying to pick the best 20 and
0: they want, you know, your expert advice or something, then that's, you know, that's a different matter. So, can we talk about that for a second? Because part of about the portfolio view is understanding the language that you're going to receive. And Uh just like you were saying on Facebook, really the only way we, the the quick way we have to respond to someone's work is to press a little thumbs up button. Or on Google Plus, you press the plus one button. And that, to me, is just an acknowledgement that you've seen the picture, you know. And like you said, what's further in the comments would be more helpful and whatnot. But some of the language we need to be aware of, and this happens as a reviewer too, is like you look at a picture and say, I really like that. Okay, so liking the picture and telling someone you like the picture, that's wonderful. I think, sure, you, you know, you could say, I like it, I don't like it. But when you boil that down, what does it really mean in terms of the photograph? What are you trying to say? I, I like it can be taken personally, both positively and and, and I, I, not, I don't like it can be taken negatively. And someone comes in with 25 pictures and I say, I don't like any of these. So how useful is that? totally useless. Yeah. You know, but what is it about a picture that works? There's a lot of things to do. Now this also helps when you're editing pictures too. Actually, you know, we've talked about editing already, but once you start getting into, I guess part of the idea of a portfolio review is that you start to get to understand how to edit your work over time, you know? So, Uh yeah. So that's very helpful too, but understanding that language, a portfolio reviewer is going to look at this picture and say, it doesn't work. And that's the being as objective as possible. I mean, a reviewer certainly is going to have personal opinions about the picture and that might filter into what they're saying, but a picture doesn't work or a picture works. What is it about that picture that doesn't work? There's a follow-up explanation, which would help educate the photographer who's having their work reviewed to say, Oh, I see what you're talking about. But someone's saying, I, you know, if I walk into a portfolio review and the person says, I don't like this shot. I like this shot. I don't like this shot. I've wasted my time, and I haven't learned anything. Mm. And to me, the portfolio reviewer is an idiot, okay? Um, (laughs) And, you know, maybe we'll get emails and people will say, you know, who will argue this, but I think it's an idiot, and it's not being very helpful. Now, maybe between you and me, we're friends. You know, I can start off by saying I like the picture and then start telling you what about the picture I like, and then we can start a discussion that way. Yeah. But yeah. we're friends yeah. and we have the dialogue and we see each other a lot and we can do that. You know, portfolio review is really they're there for twenty minutes, they're looking at your stuff. Their time there there's a long line of people behind you waiting to talk to this portfolio reviewer and they gotta get through it fast. And them just saying I like it or not liking it, you've just wasted your time and they haven't given you anything. So really understanding that language, uh, and knowing what is useful to you as a photographer is it's it's important.
1: Yeah. And seeking, seeking out the, the, the right people. I mean, there's obviously people who are accomplished in the, the various fields of photography who really know a lot about it. Um, I mean, I've, I've, I've mentioned my friend's dad before who used to shoot for National Geographic, James Kern, and he's done a lot of amazing nature photography, produced a couple of books. And, um, you know, I, would love to sit down with him and say, uncle Jim, here's a couple of my wildlife images. What do you think? You know, how, how would you have approached this situation? And, you know, then you're, you're getting feedback from somebody who has a lifetime of experience doing exactly what it is that, that you want to do. Um, and hopefully I think the reviewer too has to realize that somebody is in, is in process. And so there's, there's an evolution I think to everybody's creative process and you're, you're at a particular point on your creative journey. So it's like, okay, what's, what's going to be useful and helpful. And you know, there's, I'm sure there's things that are more geared towards profitability and, and commercial success that are all about just trying to hone in on that perfect image that's going to sell. But I I think we're, you and I are talking more here about the, the creative dimension Mm -hmm. of photography. That's, Mm A means of self-expression that it's not necessarily good or doesn't stand or fall depending on whether or not you sell something. I mean, yeah, it's a great feeling to publish something. It's a great feeling to get to sell an image. But, but that's really just for people who are in it, for the creativity, it's an affirmation of the creative process. And I think that's what ideally a good portfolio review is going to do. You know, one, one other thing just to shift gears a little bit, Tony, that I want to say just because uh, from my own experience, I think, you know, we all have um, tons of digital images at our fingertips, usually on our computer. And oftentimes I think we're, we're seeing a lot of the same images in terms of our own body of work. Oftentimes mm-hmm. it's what we've shot the last few months depending on how people organize their stuff and how they rate and rank photos and which ones are immediately accessible. But I I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, or just tell me what you think about this, I think part of what a portfolio review can accomplish is, you know, you could selectively go back, take some of your earlier images, take some of your later images, the images that feel important to you for one reason or another, and, and get beyond the cache of images that are just immediately accessible and the ones that we see all the time. You know what I mean? Does that make sense?
0: Mm, not a hundred percent.
1: I mean, like for example, but, when I when I open Lightroom, there's a few hundred images that are images that I see all the time. And they they're I, oh, I know, see are, They're ranked. And so, but in terms of my actual body of work, I mean, I'm looking at the tip of an iceberg half the time when I'm looking at my own images.
0: You're often looking at the most recent tip of the iceberg. Right, right. Right, right. yeah. Yeah. We, We talked about this a few episodes ago about, you know, the patterns that we see in the visual voice that we see over time and how important I think it is to be able to see the difference between or the similarities between what you did way back when uh-huh. and what you did now. And part of the practical part of that in Lightroom is being, is setting up a way to organize those pictures so that your those old ones are not getting lost. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah. Too? Well,
1: that's definitely part of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I love the, the feeling of going back and looking at older stuff um, and, and being reminded of like, Oh yeah, I, I, I took several thousand pictures of that, <laughs> and, you know, that, those surfers in Rockaway and, you know, what, whatever it is. Well, let me, let me ask you this, just for the, the sake of uh, kind of getting deeper into the subject matter. Let's say you took 10 or 20 of your favorite images for the past, say, three decades. If you – just imagining yourself as, as an outside objective reviewer, looking at your own body of work – what do you What do you think you would see in terms of the evolution of your own creative process
0: uh a schizophrenic
1: <laughs> <laughs> see
0: I see something different but <laughs> no, like, <laughs> no really i mean you, the three I mean, decades is a long time yeah i mean that's I a that's a that's you know for me that's from college till now, and there would be these waves of similarities i think uh-huh. as as my life shifted over time going from Maybe having a steady job or photography was something I did on the side or after work, or you know, I wouldn't say a hobby because it was never been a hobby for me. Um, uh-huh. Switching from that to becoming a stock photo editor and being involved in the stock business and, and gearing my photography more towards sales, you know, there would be a lot of there would be a lot of shifting in that department. It'd be interesting to do that to go back as far as I could and and do, and see. Do the, you
1: think? it's like the some of the changes were dictated by commercial market
0: forces. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. I mean, you, I mean
1: as a professional photographer, as I, a professional, professional photographer and avoided that, but
0: yeah. And I think we all, I want to say suffer from this, this is not the right word, but we all tend to try, I think initially copy the stuff that we like, sure, you know, and the stuff that works in the context. So if I'm, you know, I'm working at the stock agency. Well, one, one of the greatest things that happened to me while I was working there was not only did I see the pictures that we kept for the uh-huh. photographers and submitted, but what was really valuable in some way was seeing the pictures that were rejected huh. and understanding why those pictures were rejected because I was the one a I had to justify the rejection of the pictures. The photographer put a lot of work in and I got to say, you know, this is the reasons why we can't take those pictures. And, you know, learning from other people's Eh, Mistakes is not the right word, but pictures that didn't work for the context. Uh And every era of my photography sort of is dictated by. uh, Now I'm looking at, you know, I'm very influenced, strangely enough, by Vivian Meyer, you know, and Mm. her cache of pictures that was found, you know, not long ago and the kind of street photography she's doing. And. That's my photography is sort of influenced by that. Now I'm not influenced by her rejects. I don't know what her rejects are, but certainly I'm finding my own voice through looking at this kind of work, more, more street photography than commercial photography, and it's shifting the way I'm, I'm doing. But my work now, if you look at my work now, and compared to like the, the portfolio I would show today, even my commercial portfolio today would look awesome. is, looks so much different. Than my commercial photo- uh, photography, you know, twenty years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's so interesting how the creative process evolves like that. Which, again, I think is true of any artist. You know, you look at early Picasso and late Picasso. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, people evolve, and so yeah, um, and that's that's part of the fun of it. And I and again, I guess uh, from a portfolio reviewer's point of view, that person's in a position to say, well, these are the this is the direction I see your work evolving into. And, and this is, this is what speaks to me about this particular image. I mean, I think that's, that's part of the value too. You know, it's like being a writer and putting a novel out into the world and then hearing back from, well, this is how your work has moved me. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's
0: that dialogue. Yeah. And, you know, in the world right now, we have many ways of I mean, there's portfolio reviews or standard ones where you, you go someplace and you you print your work and someone sits down with you for 20, 30 minutes and, and talks to you about your work. And then, you know, people share their pictures on websites like 500 pixels or Flickr and join groups. And there's another great way to get feedback from people. But I'm going to editorialize for a second because it's our podcast and I can do that. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, but a website like. I joined this website called 500 pics a while back and it, and there's a lot of good photography there. And I ended up seeing a pattern in there because the way it works is you post a picture up and people give you a thumbs up and your picture becomes popular for a certain amount of time. It's kind of in real time. Uh So as your picture becomes popular, it starts rising in ranks Cool. and it goes up to like 90% or something like that. And then they become popular for the day and you get a lot of likes and then it sort of wanes and, my exploration of that site for a while has been, been... I'm looking at the pictures, and I'm starting to see pictures that look alike. Huh. And I noticed that... It, it wasn't like this one looks exactly like that one, but there was sort of like taking that 10,000-foot view again uh-huh. and seeing patterns that were showing up. And it got that sense that people were like, oh, a picture that would be really good, that would get popular, was an HDR picture of a waterfall. And, and so... You start seeing HDR pictures of waterfalls and it was hard to describe. It was something intangible, but I got the sense that, you know, it is a place to share pictures and people will post comments and yet there's that underlying, well, I like to get the picture to be very popular. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the cautionary tales, I think, for sharing your pictures online to try to get portfolio reviews is that you might begin to taint your pictures because you want them to be popular and you want to get a lot of thumbs up or you want to get a very good portfolio review from them. And just be aware of that. It's something to be cautious about because I sort of got caught up in it too. The, the social media part of it and the, the process of being popular for a day. And I was like, Oh, you know, but I think being popular in 500 pixels is like being rich in monopoly. You know, (laughs) uh, I mean, and, and I say that with a caveat because you know the same thing happens on Instagram, and I really like Instagram now. I'm back on it, and I've been posting pictures a lot. And I just posted a picture about three days ago, and someone emailed me and said they wanted to buy a print. Cool. Yeah. You know? yeah I think you told me, yeah, uh-huh. It was a new one. I didn't tell you this one. This oh, just came wow. in this weekend. Yeah. It was, a, it was a shot I did on Friday, I think. Friday? Thursday or Friday. I shot it. put it up on Friday. Saturday, I got an email saying, I would like to buy that print so that's awesome yeah it's interesting Uh but
1: yeah well i I think part of what you're getting at is the tension and this could be a whole nother podcast yeah between doing what it is you really feel called to do creatively and being true to your own artistic sensibility and that just natural sense of what will interest other people i mean Probably half the pictures I take are like, oh, this is going to be cool and fun and I can't wait to share this image. But then sometimes you're you're just walking down the street yourself and you see something really beautiful and you take it because you're a photographer, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And those are the ones that are going to be more meaningful in the end, I would
0: imagine. And the cautionary voice, too, about portfolio reviews is getting too latched onto what someone says and and losing your own voice. I mean... Someone telling you something doesn't mean that they're perfect. You know, if they're saying the picture doesn't work or they don't like it or whatever they end up saying to you, you take it in and you find how it fits what you're doing. I would hate to have a portfolio review where I told the person, like, well, this is the kind of stuff I would do. And they come back and they did it exactly like that. And, Uh like, it would be there. Well, what happened to your voice? You lost it in the process, you know. Because the portfolio review, I think, is a dialogue as well. So yeah, absolutely. The reviewer I, I, is going to, the reviewer is going to learn as much about photography and you as you are about them. So
1: yeah, it's a process. It's a dialogue and like any area of life where you encounter criticism, you you glean it for what rings true and seems helpful. And I mean, some things, even if they're true, they may not be helpful. <laughs> so you have to figure out uh, what's what you can take away and work with to
0: improve your, your work. Right. Although if enough people tell you you're a duck and you quack, then you're a duck or whatever <laughs> that phrase is. I mean, you know, you, someone sits down with you and, and then one person says, well, this picture is not in focus and I can't get past that. And then yeah. another person sits down and looks at your picture and says, this picture is out of focus. I can't, can't, can't get past that. Something's going on in that yeah, image correct. that you need to start paying attention, you know. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean you have to take your portfolio to fifteen people for it to be to for you to get an average feeling, but it's just really listen to what people are saying. i think I think out there, nobody's really out there to hurt people and and uh, if if you do see hurtful criticism, especially on other sites when people are posting comments, it, it's something to ignore. Um, ultimately, I think the process is to get the pictures for the photographer to improve to to get the voice and the image and the story to say what the photographer wants. You know, we're not in the business to to belittle people and put them down. Yeah. That's right. Anything
1: else? um Anything miss? What? I've got some images I'd love you to look at. if, uh, <laughs> if you're free tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all
0: right, all right.
1: <laughs> no, really. It's I, I think it's just it's a helpful reminder, you know. I mean it's a formal thing that's out there that people are doing and uh hopefully we'll we we will offer that service, but Um, it's just, yeah, it's a good thing, you know? I mean, and of course we, we can all begin by doing it ourselves just by, Oh yeah, I, I have more than the last couple hundred images I took. I've, I've got many thousand and maybe I'll go open up that external hard drive and look at some images from a few years ago and get some insight and and remind myself of other things that I've done. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's all about seeing the bigger picture, but I think, I would say my takeaway on this whole thing of portfolio review is the value of a fresh uh, set of eyes looking at your work and, and responding.
0: I agree. And being able to learn to take that 10,000 foot view yourself too of your own work. I mean, ultimately that's, you know, at some point you don't need a portfolio review. At some point you need to, you can look at your own work that way. Yeah. Uh, I would suggest something as an experiment to sit down with your older pictures or any, any picture actually. And, you know, look at it and write down like four or five words that strike you about that shot, you know, and mm-hmm. and try to look at it from an outsider's point of view. Just what are the what are the three or four things that strike you and write a single word about that picture? See what happens. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought of that now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're we're a little over time, but I thought it was a good discussion and I think we can come back to it later as well. I mean, I also want to plug Gene Mealy from last yeah. week. He does portfolio reviews at B and H Photo just prior to the Photo Expo in the city in the fall. So uh, he was speaking about it last week that he does it, and he had a really good story. So I, you know, check that episode out if you want to hear yeah. about him. And a great
1: episode. W- I would just say that was the tip of a philosophical artistic iceberg because uh, Gene is just a fascinating guy and a very deep thinker when it comes to the whole creative process and the yeah. art photography. So if you haven't listened to that, stop this one right now. And yeah. Go to that one.
0: Yeah. Especially because <laughs> we're at the end. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So let's wrap it up. I think that was a good, that was a good subject. So, uh, this is the end of our 25th episode. So as you heard, Tom is sending me a gift in the mail. So I'm holding you to that. <laughs> Uh, you can find us on our website, which is recently updated. I like the look of it. Uh, SwitchToManual.com. dot com. It's very fancy looking, and yeah. uh, so check us out there. You can find us on Twitter. We spend some time there at Switch the Number Two Manual, so Switch to Manual. And we have our Facebook page, and we have our Google Plus page, and you can thumbs up and plus one there. And if you have any thoughts or suggestions for shows you can either tweet us or send us email at info at switch to dot com and on iTunes if you receive our podcast from there it would be great if you could perhaps send us some reviews and comments and rate us on iTunes that would be kind of fun to see is there anything else? I think Tom? that's it I think that's it yeah we put up a tip chart because we're <laughs> we need some beer money I thought <laughs> so i throw that in, just in case. Just yeah, might work. work. Just in, just
1: in right. case Donald Trump happens to be listening.
0: Oh, geez, let's not get into that. All right. <laughs> there'll right. be there'll be hell to pay, and I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or any multimillionaire, really? No, I mean yes. I'm I'm not picky. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> All right, so let's sign off for our 25th one. This is great, and uh, well, I guess we'll uh, see you later. Adios.